steps to evaluating labels. I just wonder, for the people who are in the room, I think uh, some of you have seen this. So one person says they've done Weight Watchers. That, that's helpful to know because Weight Watchers and I are, uh, well, they've changed their program recently, so I, I don't know what their current version is, but traditionally Weight Watchers and I are a little different, which is, you know, kind of the example of like, I mean, I love Weight Watchers. I think they have a decent program. Um, but again, if we're going to talk about diet, it generally tends to be around weight and not around health, which is a whole seminar in itself, that weight is not necessarily health. But this is around anxiety and not weight, but how to manage our anxiety. And so um, we'll go over this. It might be helpful go and grab a label. I, I think you guys can see this. It's a rise bar is the one that I'm looking at. So when I was in uh, at Bastyr going to medical school, I could be a little on the obsessive when I had a question. And because I kind of wanted to be able to read a nutritional label and know how I was going to feel. And and I couldn't. And so then I was like, I want to understand labels because it, like, it made no sense to me. And so this is kind of what I came up with um, based on me bugging a lot of professors. So uh, from last week, we talked about the importance of protein. And so when I'm evaluating a label, the first thing that I do is I look to see how much protein is there. And so I'm looking at the rise bar and I can see that there are 20 grams of protein. And then the second step is to look at calories. And truthfully, I don't ever look at calories. I just made that the second step because everybody's trained to make that the first step and, and, and you know, in terms of behavioral science, like I was only going to get one step uh, out of out of that. So you can look and see what, how many calories there are, but I don't believe in calories in, calories out. I just don't. Like billions of people have done that and, and failed at it, so there's something else going on. That's another sem seminar, but there you go. But I do look at the size of the container because sometimes the serving size for the container is not real. So this, is the, this protein bar is one serving, which makes sense. But if you look at a cereal box, a serving size is a third of a cup. Who eats a third of a cup of cereal? No one. So you kind of have to make sure that the serving size or what you're actually going to eat reflects the protein. And so if, this would, if you're eating something and you're eating two servings because that's what you would normally eat, you need to double the amount of protein. So then the next step, now this is going to get just a slightly complicated, but I think we can get through it. So if we look at the carbohydrates, there's total carbs, there's dietary fiber, and then there's sugars. And sometimes there's insoluble fiber. So total carbs is a calculated chemical reaction. So basically it's how many calories, which is a heating unit, you get when you burn it, which is not really useful because we don't burn our food. I mean, hopefully we're not burning our food. Like there's a different chemical reaction that happens in our body. So then in terms of dietary fiber, that 
dietary fiber stays in our gut and passes through our GI system and becomes stool. So that's not really calories, though it counts towards the total carbs. So we want to take that out of the total carbs. And insoluble fiber is another thing that we want to take out. So basically we're going to take total carbs minus the dietary fiber. We're going to completely ignore sugars. So this sugar line that's on the worksheet says five. And, I, and this is where I got really obsessive. I'm like, well, what does that mean, sugars? What kind of sugars? Because there are hundreds of different sugars. There's fructose, and there's oligosaccharides, and there's sucrose, and there's lactose, and all these sugars. Well, what kind of sugars? And what I found was this was a bureaucratic, bureaucratic line that they wanted to train diabetics to look at, which is virtually meaningless. So we're just going to ignore the sugars line because it can be manipulated by a bureaucracy. So now we've got total carbs minus dietary fiber. And now we have a calculated carb. Uh, and so for this rise bar, there's 20 grams of uh, carbohydrates. And there's four dietary fiber. So that gives us 16. So there's 16 carbs. 20 protein, 16 carbs. So now we're going to put that into a ratio, which is the carbs to protein. So uh, for this label uh, that is on the worksheet, we can look at that. And we have 31, and we have 5. And so that's um, a 6 to 1 ratio. Um, for my rise protein bar, we had 16 total carbs, or calculated carbs, because it was 20 total carbs minus 3 fiber carbs to 16 uh, calculated carbs, and then 20 proteins. So that's less than a uh, 1 to 1 ratio. Okay. This is what what's going to help us decide if this is going to give us a sugar hit or not. So when things have a 1 to 1 ratio or a 2 to 1 ratio or a 3 to 1 ratio of carbs to protein, it's going to, it's going to be meal type stuff. We're going to feel like we had a meal. We're going to have a stable glucose supply for 3 to 4 hours. No problem. When we start getting into the and it depends on per people, but when we start getting into the 5 to 1 ratio or the 6 to 1 ratio or, God forbid, the 20 to 1 ratio, then we're definitely into dessert and maybe into, like, sugar crack. And so it's really worth looking to see what, what the ratio of carbs to protein is so that you know what the impact's going to be. Any questions about that? I've never kind of, that's a lot of verbal stuff. So I just want to make sure everybody got that, that why we're doing protein and calculated carbs and the ratio. So then I look at ingredients. This is another place where we get really in trouble a lot. Part of the reason why I like these RISE bars, and by the way, RISE is not paying me to, to promote them. I just like them, is here are the ingredients list. Almonds, honey, whey protein isolate. That's it. 
And so what I like is I can, I can read the entire ingredients list and I know what it is. It's not complicated. It's not highly processed. They're not adding vitamins in to make up for the vitamins that they took out. And there's no artificial sugars in it um, whatsoever. And the reason, partly the other thing I like about the bar is it tastes good enough to eat, but not good enough to crave, which is something worth noting. Because some people are like, ah, I don't like that very much. Well, you're not supposed to like protein bars very much because otherwise they become candy bars. Um, so things that I don't like in ingredients lists is I don't like high fructose corn syrup. I don't like corn syrup. I don't like partially dehydrogenated oils. And I don't like the sugar alcohols. There's all these artificial sugars, uh, or they're natural sugars, but we don't absorb them. And so they, they can say that they have a really low carb content, but you're still going to get an insulin hit. And that's not good. And so I was working with this one executive who um, was about to quit her job because she was just tired of being stressed out and crying all the time. And I asked her what she was eating and she was because she was trying to lose weight during this high stress event that was happening at work and uh, which is a bad time to lose weight. Don't try and lose weight while you're really stressed out. But um, so she was having these very low carbohydrate protein bars. It was awesome that she was getting a protein bar, but she was not getting any carbohydrates in really until dinner because she was having a protein bar for breakfast and a salad for lunch. And lettuce just is not a really high carb source and some protein and some fat. And then she would have a little bit of rice at dinner. And so she, she was just on this huge adrenaline hit all morning which is part of why she was crying and anxious and irritable and just so moody. And so when I switched her over to a Zing bar, which is the other protein bar that I really like, um, uh, like her mood settled out. And, and so like it was so fascinating to see how what somebody was choosing to eat for breakfast was impacting their bandwidth to be in a high-stress environment and a competent professional. I mean, she was partner in her firm. Like, it's, uh, you know, she, it's not that she wasn't competent. It's just your brain needs glucose to function, and if it doesn't have glucose, it's going to make you crazy. Uh, and then deciding uh, where it's going to be in your diet and do you like the taste. Uh, so... That um, those are kind of the steps that I use to evaluate labels, particularly when I'm on the run. Any questions about this? Um, one comment, um, just to sort of simplify, is when you look at the carb to protein ratio, that's the piece that will really help you sort of gauge or have an idea of how it's going to make you feel and what your body, how your body is going to react to that. Is that right? It is, and you have to look to see what the carb source is because there's, because there's artificial sugars and then there's natural sugars. And so you can find protein bars that have two carbohydrates and 20 grams of protein, 
And I don't necessarily think that that's a good, good meal replacement unless you're getting a little bit of carbs. The ratio I like people to have for carbs to, to protein is about two to one. Some people can do one to one, but most people need a two to one ratio. And the other thing that around, around food that I do around this is because um, my fitness pal is an app that people often use to just sort of track their calories and nutrients. And I'll have somebody put two or three days of food into that to see what they're, what they're currently doing in terms of carb to protein ratio. Because if you suddenly cut back that ratio from, let's say somebody's eating a pretty high carb diet and they're doing like seven carbs to one protein, you can beef up the protein, you can add protein, but don't cut back the carbs at the same time because they may not be able to tolerate that. And then they're going to be fatigued and moody and grumpy at you because they don't feel good. So when I uh, increase protein in people's diets, I first just increase protein in people's diets, and I really encourage them not to change their, the carbohydrates that they're eating because that's the tendency because we're so diet industry driven. I just want them to see that they'll feel better eating more protein. Later, if there's a weight issue or prediabetes or diabetes issues, we'll, we will look at the carb ratio, but often just eat, increasing somebody's protein, they will uh, naturally cut back up the carbs. Uh, there was, uh, in the 40s, they studied nutrition and diet a lot, and so there were two studies that I thought were pretty meaningful sort of in this, like, protein to carb ratio. Um, so they took a whole bunch of men, because they only did research on men, and they said to them, we want to see how much weight you'll gain if we feed you lots of protein. And so you're going to have to eat uh, pork chop every couple of hours. And they were just like, sure, no problem. And then they quit three days later, because you can, you, you can sort of overdo it on protein, and people like don't want to eat anymore. Um, and they didn't gain as much weight as the calories that they were eating, interestingly enough, for the, those who stuck around. There was another study that they did on men where they fed them mainly refined carbohydrates, and they would eat 6,000 calories a day and still be hungry uh, two hours later because all those carbs were being swept away by insulin. And so that's part of the reason why calories is kind of a meaningless a number, and really we should be looking at our how much pro, making sure we're getting in enough protein, making sure that we're getting in our vegetables, making sure we're getting some carbohydrates in, uh, and not overdoing it. 